sometimes you just gotta go. Hi, this is Matthew Rose, and you are listening to the CVH Podcast. Yes. Good morning. Monday, November 15th. Good morning, everybody. Had our um, uh, last show last night here in Washington. Uh, the fourth concert. So so rare to do um, four performances of a concert. It was great. And another fantastic audience. <clears throat> Uh, I think the I think the Washington D.C. crowd was ready for it, and we put on a hell of a show too. This is some of the you know best people doing their best work, and and um, it's so good it's hard to it's actually hard to follow people sometimes. Uh, <laughs> when you when you roll in behind Larry Brownlee or Pretty Yenda, and they're just doing what they do best, uh, <laughs> it's a tough it's a tough thing to walk out. It's like. I sort of I'm I'm into it in that I feel like I'm in a hole, and my job is to get out of this hole. <laughs> That's the best way I can describe it. Um, you're you're you, you hear the thunderous applause following Larry Brownlee's 400 high C's, uh, <laughs> and you go, all right. Uh, there's a little bit of work to do here. Let's let's see. Let's see if the bass can uh, dig his way out of this because <laughs> you don't want to be a big letdown uh, after after a you know a fireworks show like that or or pretty Yenda singing Traviata. You know you're you got some work to do. <laughs> I like it. All you can do is laugh because if you if you really let it sink in, you think, who the hell put me after these people? <laughs> this is poor planning. I just don't get, I don't even get the, um, the composer credit, you know, like, uh, anyway, no, there's no complaints out of me. Just, uh, it's sort of a unique challenge to follow people like that and good. It should be hard. <clears throat> Speaking of difficult, I keep hearing about this, um, uh, Kennedy center honors, uh, that I'm going to do that. I'm sure I'm not supposed to talk about, but Hey, you know, this is, this is just friends, right? Nothing I say here makes the news. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna sing for the Kennedy Center honors this year, and, and um, I keep getting little tidbits, little tidbits of information about uh, you know the ideas and um, the horse involved. Um, Escamillo is gonna make his entrance on a horse because, as we all know, everybody rides horses into bars. <laughs> uh, doesn't matter. Coming in on a horse. I've now been asked if I would sing on the horse. I really don't know how I feel about that. I think I'm just going to be so terrified about being on this gigantic large animal right at the lip of the stage. <laughs> the singing may just go great because I don't care. I'm too nervous about dying. <laughs> I made sure everybody knew that I've never been on a horse before. Uh, you know, one time, I, I think I rode a pony when I was six, you know, <laughs> on a farm. Uh, so I'm going to sit on a giant live animal and walk out and sing arguably the most recognizable tune in all of opera for a national audience, including the president of the United States. Uh, yeah, that's, 
that's the next challenge. And you can either let that sink in and own you and take take over and uh, ruin you and, and let it crawl into your brain and, and, and um, grow. Or you can just laugh and say, fuck it. What? <laughs> what? What do you need me to do? Stand on my head? Okay, great. You want me to do a backflip off the horse? Uh, land on a table? Uh, mid-phrase? No problem. What else? What else? Make it... <laughs> <laughs> I have said it a million times and I have to remind myself and I think that's why I say it so often um, really opera is uh, how many things can be put between you and a good show what you know what would be ideal right so like if if a singer goes out in costume onto a set made of mahogany, high-walled, angled mahogany for amplification and you just walked out on a on a flat set and stood center stage and the orchestra was way down. You know, this this is like the most ideal situation for uh, the voice, right? For for you to have a great show, you feel like, you know, my, my voice needs to be in the most idyllic setting. And so that would be, that would be ideal. Now, this is opera. <laughs> the costume uh, is not flattering. The lighting is blinding or too dark. Um, you're on a you're on a rake. You're behind scenery. Everything's made out of fabric. There's no there's no wood to bounce your voice off of. The orchestra is much too loud. The horns are way too loud. Uh, Maestro doesn't like your tempo. He goes with his. Uh, opera is is they stack as many things as they possibly can between you and a good show, and you have to pick your battles as to what you fight, because you're not going to win them all. And if you and if you're fighting everything, you're difficult, and and uh, nobody wants to deal with that. Nobody has to deal with that. Uh, and so so the mark of a successful singer, in my humblest of opinions, is your ability to get past all of these things and still have a good show. And this is what separates good from great. And I use that phrase a lot, but it really is. It's your ability to overcome the obstacles put in your way by non-singers. Uh, that's a lot of it. You know, if you if you come across a maestro who studied voice, and there are some, uh, anybody who performed voice, this maestro is a completely different beast in that they, they can breathe and work with you and, and understand the limitations or even understand the limitations from one evening to the next. Um, and so, um, you know, the, the hallmark of a great opera singer is all of this crap is in their way and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, and so this, <laughs> this gig, which I love, I want this gig. I want to be a part of this gig and I honestly don't know who, who should do it if not me. So if, <laughs> if that's the case, if my giant ego is saying, well, yeah, it has to be you, um, then you sort of have to deal with all this stuff. Now, you make it clear. I had to make it clear. Like, hey, I'm not, a, I'm not some horseback rider. I'm certainly not 25. Uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know about getting off a horse gracefully. <laughs> I, need, I need horseback riding 101. I think I need to find a stable nearby. This was suggested to me. Find a stable. And just go practice getting on and off a horse a bunch of times. Because really, I mean, I mean, I'd like to look cool doing this. I would like to look like it's not the first time or that I'm holding on for dear life. 
<laughs> I just I don't want to get famous for the wrong reasons. I don't I don't I don't want to get bucked off this thing because I did something wrong to the horse and then you know I land in the in the uh, double bass section or something. <laughs> Be a hell of a way to retire, you know. Something tells me that wouldn't make it onto the show. Nobody would ever see it. They'd just hear about it. What happened to CBH? I got thrown from a horse. (laughs) What was he doing on a horse? Well, he was singing opera. (laughs) Oh, man. I I do think that. You know, because um, uh, very often in a gig, somebody will start complaining about this, that, or the other thing. We're we're great at it. All singers can complain. It's funny. We're, We're... we're acutely um, aware of the usual things that get in our way. It's always it's always the same, really. It's it's generally always the same, and so it's not um, it's never a surprise. And so the complaints start early. And if I see a young singer getting caught up in it, I just say, "Hey, look, this is the gig. This is the big leagues. Um, if if you're not going to do it, somebody else will. So you have to determine that you're the guy who can do this." Uh, so I'm going to get on the horse, you know, what else, what else can you do? Get on the horse, make it look cool, sing good. <laughs> Don't split your pants on the way down. <laughs> but it's such a cool gig. And, and I remember watching him as a kid. And, and this is one of the few times, um, uh, opera will make it onto, to any kind of prime time national television. And so, to that end, I want to be a part of it. I want it to be great. I want to. I want to. You know, if we can, if we can just get a little bit of awareness from mainstream people that we're still here and we do this and it's accessible and good and great and look what fun it is. We come in on horses and we sing these famous tunes and you know, hopefully they'll do the whole bit with the dancers and the chorus and and a couple of cameos and stuff like that and make it make it uh, special. If we make it really special and really exciting, we we can win, you know? It's about a victory. It's about a it's about a small victory. I mean, it's about honoring this singer, but uh this singer has seen plenty of good show. We could put on the best Escamillo uh, Lilis Pastia scene that has ever been put up, but you know he's already been there. You know this is not uh, this is not new to him, and we're here to honor him, and that's and that's why we're going to do this scene and we're going to do it great. But it's um, it's a fantastic opportunity for regular folks to get a good taste, uh, and it will be seen and watched and rewatched, and and um, and so to that end, I I want to be a part of it because the, <laughs> the pay is nothing. <laughs> I don't sing for free too often. It does happen on occasion, uh, you know, funerals and things like that. But, um, um, you know, it's not too often that I jump at a chance to sing for free. But it's 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 free and it's not free. This has its own, this has its own value. Um, uh, and, you know, something that I was acutely aware of just because I had seen all the ones, you know, when they honored you know, Pavarotti or, um, or, um, Leontine Price, you know, I've seen these videos and, and, and the musical tributes are wonderful. And this will be the first time that they really do like full blown scene, you know, we're going to like put up an opera scene and that's, um, that's great. That is awesome. I think that would leave people to keep watching it as opposed to, you know, five people come out in the tuxedos and, and sing their bits. Like if we, if we do a full scene, we'll, we'll, um, I think we can keep people's attention. 
uh, and it's just a great event. I mean, it's it's generally you know uh, a pretty pretty amazing ticket, celebrity packed kind of thing. Um, uh, I'm hoping to see Stevie Wonder. That's my I keep putting it out in the world, hoping that that's true. But if they're if they're going to honor Barry Gordy, you know, you have to have this sort of this person has been asked Stevie Wonder or Diana Ross or somebody like that, you know. He invented the Jackson 5. Like, if Michael Jackson was around, you might see him, too. It's, it's that kind of, um, um, you know, just a class of, of pop pop uh, artists that would show up to this. And so I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful to see Stevie Wonder. <laughs> so I could say, hey, man, I'm a singer, too. <laughs> I remember Sam Raimi telling a story about being in an elevator with Barbara Streisand. And they lived in the same building. And, and he just happened to be in the elevator with this one day. And... <laughs> He was kind of starstruck, and uh, he he introduced himself and said, "Hey, I'm a singer too." And <laughs> I don't know that he explained it, you know, much further. <laughs> like, "Oh, hey, I'm an opera singer at the Met," you know. Like, I think he just said, "Hi, I'm a singer too," and she sort of rolled her eyes, if I remember that story correctly. But uh, pop culture is a funny thing; they're they're generally unaware of what we do. You know, we have some fans, we have some some. Um, you know, uh, actors and actresses and musicians that like what we do. I know uh, I, I sang a performance of La Boheme that uh, Nicolas Cage came to one time because uh, all of a sudden all these Instagram pictures sh- were showing up of him in the lobby and I thought, he's he's living out Moonstruck right now. He's literally at the Met watching La Boheme. He's living out Moonstruck. How strange. Uh, but, you know, the the Coppola family is a long, long line of classical uh, conductors and composers and so it, it's not surprising that he would be interested in that. And and anybody who's as as crazy as as uh, Nicholas Cage appears to be would it doesn't surprise me for a second that you know he would just have this quirk where he loves opera you know that's that's uh, that's awesome I was so sorry he didn't come backstage but it's I think it's not much fun for them to come backstage there was one night Bruce Willis came backstage at the Met and oh the poor guy the poor guy you know I think sometimes they just want to go to the show and and you know <laughs> live their life. Uh, uh, somehow he got backstage or was made to go backstage or convinced to go backstage and every last person needed to take a picture with the guy. And after a while, you're like, okay, that's enough. Like, leave, the, <laughs> leave the poor guy alone. Uh, not that I was any different. Uh, Dustin Hoffman came to a rehearsal in New York. I think he was getting, I think he was, um, he was going to be a conductor in something. I think he was uh, studying to be a conductor for a, for a role that may or may not have happened. It may have been Bernstein. I don't know. There, there's a couple of Bernstein movies floating around out there, and he might have been in the running at some point. Anyway, he came to watch uh, Levine conduct at the Met, and he came into our Falstaff rehearsal, and, and um, you know, he was very unassuming, just came in, he's just a little guy, and sat down in the corner and and observed, you know, and was just trying to do his craft. But, you know, we're ogling, we're, we're seeing him. And then, you know, the, the foreign singers are running over to him, you know, running over to him to take pictures and all this kind of stuff. You're like, oh, damn it. We just, he's an artist and he's here to do his craft. Can we just let him work? Let him work. Uh, that kind of celebrity has got to be very difficult. Uh, you know, I'm sure it's got all the good things, you know, you always get the seat in the restaurant. You always, you know, it's like that that sort of first class lifestyle is probably pretty good. But at the same time, the guy's got his, you know, he's got to get his work done. He's he's here to to study to be a maestro in a movie. That's that's heavy work. You know, it's not it's not something you just pick up suddenly and you're a great maestro. Like it's it's um, 
uh, it's something that would have to be seriously studied and worked on. And there he was doing his work and, and we just couldn't help but to bother him. I didn't bother him, but uh, a lot of people bothered him. <laughs> oh man. I wanted to say hello, you know, just because, you know, I like the graduate, but <laughs> it was surprisingly little, surprisingly little. I think a lot of Hollywood is just, I don't know what it is. Why are they so short? These people end up being like five four, five five. Like this that's a that's a Academy Award winning actor? That guy is so little. <laughs> being six foot five, I just assume that you can't do anything if you're a little. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to all my all my small listeners. I'm headed to New York today. Uh I gotta get some more Don Giovanni work done. This concert has not it's not derailed me completely, but it's definitely thrown me off my study schedule and so I'm heading up to New York today for a couple of days and get some work done and uh, go sing for a few people and and um, you know start to feel this thing in my bones. Uh, feel like my memory is there. You know, it, I, I've got it. It's ready to go. Uh, I just need to you know sing it in a bit more and you know build the confidence part of it. Uh, you know, I get 13 shows in Paris, so there's a lot of time. There, there's no um, the pressure to get it right instantly is not there i've got time to let this thing grow a little bit and build and and um, that's a good thing you know 13 shows nowadays is nearly three productions when you when you consider how many we do over here four and five and six you know when this is uh you know 13 in the course of five and a half weeks it's it's a lot of shows it's it's a great way to to get it good or a long time to suffer if you suck <laughs> Uh, no sucking. It's going to be great. It, I'm glad I waited on this. I'm glad I didn't learn this as a kid and have it full of bad habits. You know, I could do it the right way. Do it. it it's kind of rare, especially with a with a Mozart role that probably, you know, should have passed my my eyes. Uh, you know, I sang the other roles in it, but I've never done the Dawn, and I'm and I'm happy that I waited until I was an old man to do it. <laughs> because when I think about Giovanni, I uh, we're watching his end, and um. You know, 25-year-old Don Giovanni was probably wildly successful and having a great time, but we don't see that. We only we never see him be successful in this show. Uh, we're watching the end. We're watching it all fall apart. Uh, he has tiny little moments of victory, but it's all a ruse, and, and I don't, you know, we never see him successful. You know, a production can take liberties and, and make it seem that way, uh, but if we watch the text, we never see it, like, work out. Uh, if he's if he's there to... to to count uh, notches on his bedpost, we don't see that. We we only see the we only see the downfall. And so I think it's okay that he's forty three years old in this case. It makes sense to me that uh, some young Casanova would be at the end of his game here. You know, he's the old guy at the bar now. That's sad. Makes sense to me. Anyway, I love you for listening. Happy Monday, everybody. Uh, like I said, I'll be in New York. Next show should be from New York. I'm hoping to uh, grab some friends and do a couple of podcasts that way. But I love you for listening. Have a great week, and uh, we'll see you on Thursday. Thanks. Bye.
Yeah. 